living here in Sweden. I've been living here 14, 15 years. I'm also a travel writer. I, I write a lot about culture, getting beneath the nuances of culture. And so even though I write a lot about visiting Sweden, all the amazing things you should see and the amazing food you should try, in 2022, 2023, people were still asking me if there were black people in Sweden. And then I, I started realizing there is, the image is not matching with reality. <laughs> and so I needed to start looking into my own life, looking into the lives of people close to me, looking into my network, seeing that there are stories that are not being told as part of the fabric of Sweden globally. Welcome to the Friends and Fiction Writer's Block Podcast. Four New York Times bestselling authors, one rock star librarian, and endless stories. Join Mary Kay Andrews, Kristen Harmel, Christy Woodson Harvey, and Patty Callahan Henry, along with Ron Block. As novelists, we are four longtime friends with 70 books between us. And I am Ron Block. Please join us for fascinating author interviews and insider talk about publishing and writing. If you love books and are curious about the writing world, you are in the right place. Welcome to a truly special episode of the Friends in Fiction Writer's Block Podcast. We are honored to welcome not only an accomplished author, but a widely acclaimed creative phenomenon, Lola Akinmade Okerstrom. Her sophomore novel, Everything is Not Enough, has recently been published and receiving a lot of praise. In fact, Kathy Wang, author of Imposter Syndrome, says, Everything is Not Enough presents a fascinating and complex kaleidoscope of women's lives in Sweden, asking crucial questions around career, love, family, and the definition of success. There are no easy answers in this book. The characters are real, subtle, and surprising, and you root for them the whole way through. I am Ron Block. And I'm Meg Walker. Lola is a Nigerian-American based in Stockholm, Sweden, and is an award-winning author, speaker, and photographer. Her work has appeared in National Geographic, BBC, CNN, The Guardian, Sunday Times Travel, The Telegraph, New York Times, Travel and Leisure, Slate, The Travel Channel, Adventure Magazine, and Lonely Planet, amongst many others. Gee, is that it? <laughs> is that all? Is that uh, yeah. all you could do? <laughs> <laughs> In addition to contributing to several books, she's the author of the following books. 2018 Lowell Thomas Award winner, Due North, best-selling Legome, Swedish Secret of Living Well, and internationally acclaimed In Every Mirror She's Black, which was a GMA buzz pick. We are so excited to talk with Lola about her new book. Welcome to the podcast, Lola. And please tell me how I have butchered that Swedish secret of living well word. <laughs> no worries. Well, thank you so much. It's an honor for me to be on the podcast and it's called Logo. So, okay. <laughs> that's the one. Okay, good. <laughs> Great. Thank you so much for being here. I'd love to start with just having you give us like a brief overview of the new book, Everything is Not Enough. Absolutely. So everything is not enough. I call it my follow-up book. It follows the lives of three very different women who end up in Sweden for three different reasons. And so we meet them at transition points in their lives. And so the book is really about them trying to self-actualize, 
trying to stop surviving and start thriving in a space where there are really minorities in a white-dominated society. And so that's really what the book is about, getting into their lives and the nuances of trying to self-actualize as a Black woman in a very white space. That's perfectly said. Here on Friends in Fiction, we also like to add on to the end of that, what do you think the book is really about? (laughs) (laughs) The book is actually really about the readers. So it's going to challenge the readers to and and let them uncover their own unconscious bias or prejudice. Because what the book does is it throws the reader into the lives of these three women at very every transition points in their lives, you don't know them. And so now you have to either give them grace as they're navigating their mess, or you, you know, interact with them based on maybe eating prejudice or unconscious bias. Why isn't she strong? Why is she doing this? So the book is actually more uh, about the reader interrogating and seeing how much grace we give people we don't know. Oh, I love that. It is so great. That's awesome. That's what an answer. So Lola, the book is an intricately woven tapestry of three women who are both complicated and heartbreakingly real. Can you introduce these these characters to our listeners a little bit? Absolutely. So we've got uh, Kemi, who is a marketing executive, real power woman, but is struggling in her love life. And then we've got Brittany, who is married to a very wealthy man, who is Kemi's boss, right? So she is one of the 1%, but is she living in a gilded cage? And then we've got Yasmin, who is running from her past to, to create a new life and is scared of judgment of people already judging her based on what she's done in the past and if she's going to be given space to reinvent herself. And so this is the, the story really is about their lives and how they intertwine, how even though they're all in different socioeconomic classes, quote unquote, in society, that they're still battling the same uh, similar issues because they're all black women. That's what people see first when they meet them. And when you see them, you, you meet them with the stereotypes that the world has crafted on their behalf before even getting to know them. I'm loving meeting you and hearing this story now from your <laughs> angle because it just brings to life all the characters that I love so much in this book. And, they, and you're right, the review was so right. You really root for them the whole way through the book. Yes. Talk to us about the yes. title and how it represents your story so perfectly. Yes. So um, the original walking title was actually called Shads because when we meet all women, they're all kind of broken in different broken states in their lives. But then once we started our team, you know, with the publisher, thinking about the different titles. We felt like the first book in Every Mirror She's Black, that title was so strong that Shad's just didn't live up or match up to that title. And so we started brainstorming in house. And one of the editors said, well, what about everything is not enough? Because these women are doing everything they can. And it's still not enough because they are trying to live, a, live according to other people's rules or expectations. And especially with Kemi, you know, and, uh, you know, it always takes me back to this saying, you know, I'm a Christian. And one of the things that there's a saying that says, um, you know, oh, Jesus walked on water. But there are some people that will say, well, it was because he couldn't swim. Right. (laughs) And that is how life is, (laughs) you know, in terms of you can do everything you can, but it's still not enough for people who are hell bent on not giving you grace 
or not understanding you and not normalizing all your emotions. And so that is kind of why I, I feel like the title was just perfect for these three women, that whatever they do will not be enough. So they need to stop and start looking internally and just saying, you know what, I'm already enough the way I am, even if society says I'm not. That's fabulous it's, and so well said. So where did the initial idea for this novel come to you? So it actually came because even though the novel is standalone, and you can read it uh, standalone, some of the characters are in my debut uh, novel. So Kemi and Brittany and Yasmin, they're all kind of there. And so the idea came about because I'm a black woman living here in Sweden. I've been living here 14, 15 years. I'm also a travel writer. I, I write a lot about culture, getting beneath the nuances of culture. And so even though I write a lot about visiting Sweden, all the amazing things you should see and the amazing food you should try. In 2022, 2023, people were still asking me if there were black people in Sweden. And then I I started realizing there is, um, the image is not matching with reality. <laughs> and so I needed to start looking into my own life, looking into the lives of people close to me, looking into my network, seeing that there are stories that are not being told as part of the fabric of Sweden globally, you know, and I am a black woman also living that duality where two things can be true. And so that is why I started exploring writing about the black experience, you know, in a very Nordic country, tackling it from the, the lens of career, love, and as a refugee trying to assimilate versus integrate in a new culture. That's the whole package. It is right the there. whole package. <laughs> so let's delve into that a little bit more because some really important issues are discussed and everything is not enough. And without giving any spoilers, can you tell us why you think it's important to include stories like these in fiction? Absolutely, because if you don't see yourself represented, and, and I'll talk as a black woman, right? If I don't see books that kind of normalize all my range of emotions that make me human, that really gives me space to just be, then I'm always going to be held to a double standard by society. Because there are so many books that have been written for and by white women that gives them space to, you know, cry on the floor and moan and cry <laughs> and feel their the range of emotions. But if as a black woman I'm trying to do that, then it's like, you have to be strong. You have to take it. You have to. And so we need more books that shows us being messy and vulnerable and human and making, you know, terrible mistakes because we really are. And so that's what the point of the book really is about grace and space, you know, giving uh, us uh, black women to just the range to be able to say, you know what, if I'm having a crap day, Lola is just having a crappy day. It's not that, oh, you know, all, all, all black women are, right? <laughs> no, it's just that Lola is an individual having a crappy day. Very good. Love Very that. Good. And I, I love that we're living in a time in literature where these kind of stories are actually embraced and we get to learn so much about the multiple layers of people's lives and cultures through books. And I think that that wasn't always the case. No. Yes. Definitely not. So I want to focus on specifically about the racism in the book. Mm. There's some there's some tough tough stuff in here, mm. and it's it's all about reality. Can you talk about exploring that and weaving that into the story and into the book? 
Absolutely. And I wanted to tackle it in a very nuanced way, but also from three or four or five different perspectives, right? To say that everybody's experience is very different. You know, there is, you know, we've got racism, but then there is, are you just a token, you know, or are you just being, uh, you know, uh, sexualized or, you know, there's so many different threads to that. And and one thing about living in Europe, because I am a Nigerian-American, I am an American citizen as well as a Swedish citizen, and I've spent lengths of times in both cultures, right? And so in Europe, we tend to say, oh, we don't see color, everybody is the same, you know, oh kumbaya, all of that. <laughs> yep. But that's actually very problematic because what you're saying is you do not acknowledge the, your special needs or the things that you need <laughs> because you're a bit different. And and I get it. It comes from a good place in that, oh, we don't want everybody and nobody to feel uh, out. But that in lies the problem is that then you're not listening to people's needs. They're not being acknowledged. They are wants, their their pain, their trauma is being gaslit as well. And so I really wanted to write this in the book because in the US it can be a little bit more overt in some cases. In Europe it's a lot it's a lot more covert and very system systemic where uh, and so I wanted to highlight all of that. And I definitely wanted to highlight it in Sweden because it exists and even though it's a very egalitarian place, it does exist. And so that's and so I needed to write a balanced story in addition to all the amazing travel articles I write, you know, about Sweden. This is also part of its fabric. Wow. I, and I do. I love, the thing I read about or that I got from the book too was like how people are sometimes obsessed with race. Like they're obsessed with mm. it and they pursue it. And it's like that for me was like even though I'd heard about that, I really got that from the book, and I was like really brought it to yes. life for me. So yes, and it's Thank interesting you. what you say yeah. about people who say they they don't see race, they don't see color. I always felt like that was a little bit of a cop out, like you said, you know. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yes. No. Absolutely. Absolutely. Because it's a you know, you you absolutely should see of difference. Yeah, of course. The problem is when you start assigning value to the difference. That is where the problem lies. Not the fact that you see <laughs> that I'm an African woman. Right, <laughs> you know, <right>. like it's <laughs> you know, it's it's clear, right? But it's just when people start assigning value and what to different differences. That's where the problem lies. That's a fantastic point. Thank that's you. A great point. Yeah. So let's talk about how you wove these three storylines together. So what was your writing process like in developing the, the separate journeys of Brittany Ray and Kemi and Yasmeen? Yes. So what I'll do is um, I'll talk just a little bit about how they got to, you know, to this point, because in the first book, all three characters also appear and they all come to Sweden and are kind of linked by a, a wealthy Swedish guy, Johan, you know, Johan von London in the book. And so what I wanted to show is that for a black woman to move to Sweden, something has to bring her. Like it's not, and this is something I am confident in generalizing. <laughs> it's not like Paris or Portugal or the UK where we might say, oh, the culture is, I want to just move to, to the place that, so a place like the Nordics, it's usually love or maybe as a refugee, or maybe a work transfer. And so that is why I needed to write a book rooted in reality and add that fourth character of Johan to the mix, to the process. Uh, 
of otherwise the book would just be fantasy right that the women just kind of moved to sweden for for no reason and so what i wanted to do was also show that even though they are very different that our lives are kind of connected in in different ways that some decisions that i make can inadvertently affect somebody else's life that i do not know you know and so using johan as that device showing that you know kemi is working for him but then is married to britney and then yasmin even though she's not in this second book was not directly linked to him but muna was you know and so just showing that um sometimes the the grace we need or the answers to some of our problems can be found in the most unlikely places as well so Yes, yeah, that's such a such an intricate thing too, and I just love how they the stories all do interconnect around that central character. But um, they're their own people. I, I loved getting to know how they came to Sweden and yeah. and what their circumstances were. While they're very different, they have so much in common. Yes, yes, no, absolutely. So this is obviously your sophomore novel, we call it sometimes. And the first book was Every Mirror She's Black, and it was a huge success. How was it challenging you to write a follow-up? And what did you learn in publishing that you brought with you to the second book? Well, the thing is, people don't know that uh, I already started writing the second book before we ever sold the first book. Oh, wow. I did not know that. <laughs> in Good fact, I was writing it. I, yeah, no, thank you. I was writing it as a way to get my mind off of the fact that we could not sell the first book because we got over 70 rejections wow. on the first book. Wow. And uh, it was always funny because friends would say, we didn't even know there were that many publishers in business. <laughs> like 70. <laughs> you found them all. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. I found them all and kept going and, and they all rejected. And so, um, so I'd already started writing this book. So these characters, these stories were really important to me because like with the first book, I'd, I'd spent two years as a photographer visiting a, an asylum center in Sweden, spending time with the refugees, listening to their stories. So I knew that their stories are valid. They are also part of the narrative of the Nordics. And so I knew I needed to keep giving space for their own voices to be heard as well. And so that is kind of how this second book came about because I, ideally, in an ideal world, both books would be one big volume book because they just kind of work together. But uh, but yeah, no, I'm grateful that uh, I get to continue their stories in this in this second book. That's really cool. That's amazing. You you kind of talked a little bit about this uh, uh, here and there, but did you have to do much research for this other than what you were just talking about? Yes, absolutely. I did research. I mean, for example, spending time in the asylum center so I could get more about the refugee experience as well. I have a large network of lots of different people across the board. So just talking with people, spending time with people. Um, the the topics I write about, for example, maybe being on the spectrum or like, you know, uh, phantom limb issues and things like that. I did, I definitely did my research on this book. And just in terms of the culture, before I'd written both my novels, I had written Logom, which is a nonfiction and it's called The Swedish Secret of Living Well. And so that actually demystifies the mindset and the culture. So it's a it's a 
culture I know really well. I speak the language. I was married into it, you know. So, so there's just a lot of research from all angles that came into my work, as well as being a travel writer. You know, the city also feels like a character in, the, in my books, you know. So I know how to uh, to get in it uh, a place and describe it and lift its character onto a page. So, so yes, there's lots of research, both uh, kind of quantitative research as well as qualitative. That's terrific. Okay, I want to go back to your process just a little bit too. Um, so did you write each of these stories linear and then put them, weave them together or did you kind of intersect them as you went along? I just intersected them as I went along. <laughs> you know, I always say my, my process is a lot messier than, than, you know, I'm not as organized, but one thing I do do is spend time with my characters in my head Gotcha. And so before I write them down. And so I, I, I turn them into real people in my head before I start kind of crafting. crafting. But uh, no, I didn't write it that way. Obviously, as um, after your first dirty draft, you go back, you tweak things, maybe move things around. But for the most part, you know, it was more writing it linearly as I go. And I said, OK, if, if Brittany needs somebody here, then the next uh, scene is going to be Yasmin. So how can I weave that in? So that's how I just kind of like like sewing, right? You just kind of go Love along. That. So I think that's fabulous. Visual. Yeah. So it sounds like you're a little bit of a hybrid of a plotter and a pantser, right? You, some of it is yes. plotted out, and some of it is by the seat of your pants. Is that accurate? Yes. Yes. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yes. <laughs> so the the characters they they start as little seeds, and then they come to you as you're writing. Are they? Uh, do you have people in your life that come and say? Is that character based on me? Oh, everybody keeps coming. And I'm like, I didn't even know you before I wrote this book. I was... <laughs> Get over yourself. <laughs> which, which, no, but, but in a good way, right? Because right. I think that is what makes people connect. And these are, there are so many people that connect with the characters here in Europe. You know, it's like, it feels like their story. Because I've also lived some of it, right? And so... It's like the characters, none of them are me, but then they're all me. They are not one person, but then they're all because the experience of of being uh, gaslit, you know, of facing microaggressions, of, of feeling like you're not enough. Those are feelings that are kind of universal, you know. And so when people see that or read that, they feel like, oh, my God, this is my story. This is me. I'm like, no, it's not you, you know. <laughs> so... So, and I think that's the beauty of the book is that people are really connecting with the characters because they felt like they've had to hold their breath for so long, you know, in Europe or especially in the Nordics where, you know, I always say uh, that uh, living in Sweden is like being married to the most attractive man in a, play, in a party <laughs> and nobody wants to hear how it truly treats you or how you feel at home. Mm. They're just like, just be quiet, just be grateful, it's gorgeous. You know, you're living in one of the happiest countries in the world. And so there are lots of people that bury that pain or their trauma or they can't say stuff because they feel like, well, it's Sweden. Right. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. So writing this book has really made people feel seen and acknowledged. I love that. So you talked mm -hmm. about having started your the new book before you had a publishing deal for the first book. So what yes. was the pu publishing process like for, for this novel? So, you know, once once the first one was a success, did you immediately submit the second? Was it was yeah, it so an easier we... road to publication for you the second time through, <laughs> I hope? 
So, so, so um, on the U.S. side, it's two different publishers, right? Because the first book was, um, you know, we had so many rejections. And so the publisher that published the first book took a chance. You know, it's a very, for those that have read it, it's a, it's a book that doesn't fit a category. It's just, it's thing, <laughs> you know. Right. And so when they published it, was, it was a big success. You know, they great, did a great job uh, marketing it. But then when it was time to publish the second one, they said, no, they said that, you know, we didn't want you to write a second book to this. We, and I knew it was just a difficult process of marketing the first book because it was so, it, was, it took them out of their comfort zone. And so the second book on the UK side, that publisher was like, give it to us, you know, <laughs> you're already... With us, we want to invest in you as an author because you've got a, a unique voice. And so on the UK side, it was easier. And once we got this, the UK deal, then it was easier to find a different publisher for the second book because they had because the second publisher, Collins, William Morrow, had been following my work. And they're like, we need to get that author over to our, to our house because we have um, soil fertile soil enough for her to bloom. And so I'm super grateful. I'm grateful to both publishers, you know, to the first one uh, for opening the opportunity, but also to the second one for realizing it's um, it's it's beyond one book. It's more of, is this a place where she can grow and bloom as an author? So I've got two books coming out, you know, this one and then another one that's going to come out with my current publisher. Oh, I okay. love that. So happy to hear that. <laughs> So, Lola, yes. you're a very accomplished creative professional, and we'd love to hear you, you talk a little bit about your photography and your other pursuits, but also how you develop them. So what inspired you to pursue all of these passions? Absolutely. And I think it's always, uh, I, I love it because when readers discover me through my fiction, they don't know I actually have this whole other life and career <laughs> within the travel industry. I mean, I am a professional travel writer and, and travel photographer. I've, uh, I've published with some of the biggest publications, you know, and before that, I used to be a programmer. So my, my background was really technical in IT, but I knew that I've always wanted to tell stories. And so for me, I consider myself a storyteller and just use whatever platform that makes sense for the story. So sometimes if I want to tell a story and maybe just taking a photo is strong enough to visually tell the story, then I put on my hat as a photographer. Sometimes I need the verbosity of words, you know, to, to tell a story. And then I, I write, you know, pieces or, or I write books. And so in a sense, I'm, I'm grateful as a creative person to be able to have different avenues to tell stories. Because at the root of it, I'm a storyteller, so I'm grateful I can use photography, I can use art, I can use, you know, words uh, to tell whatever stories I want to tell. Love that. Well, we're going to ask about this later, but I just want to comment on your amazing <laughs> website. Thank you. It is the, the photography is stunning, stunning. and I I, I love what you're saying about storytelling because it can take on so many different aspects so it can be um you know photography and travel writing and, yes. and novel writing and songwriting and even things like cooking it can be telling a story yes. so I, I just love 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 it all thank you thank so you. you you mentioned this a little bit and i'm hoping that you'll maybe if 
be able to tell us a little bit more about what projects are coming up from you, and not just maybe a novel, maybe other things too. Because you're fascinating, and I, I'm, I'm already yes. like a huge fan. Oh, thank you, <laughs> thank you so much. I mean, thank you so much. I, I've got you know. Um, so this was a two book deal. So I've, I'm working on a third book, uh, and the working title is called "The Deepest Well." And that title came from one of my favorite Swedish proverbs. It this is how it goes in Swedish. It says, "Then Brunen can which means the deepest well can also be drained." Oh. And and that proverb stuck with me. I found that proverb when I was writing my book log, like the that book, and so that proverb has really stuck with me because. Um, it talks about mental health, right? It talks about taking care of of the people we think are the strongest in society that need to be taken care of. So, so that book is going to be a little bit of historical fiction. It's going to include, even though it's not like a trilogy at all, but it's going to have some characters from this book. So there is a character in this book called Nancy, who is Tobias's mom from Gambia. Yes. who moved to Sweden. So it's going to be a story in parallel with his sister, Tina, who used to be a pop star and is now an activist. So it's going to be a dual timeline with those two women, some historical fiction of how she moved from Gambia to Sweden. And, and I love those two characters. Oh, my God, I love <laughs> yes. them. I'm having so much trouble not talking about spoilers here. Because <laughs> <laughs> there's so much to talk yes. about. Well, we'll have a we'll have a follow up. That we, we'll we'll get have all to, the yes. details. Absolutely, absolutely. Do you know when the next one is coming? So right now it's uh, slated for twenty twenty five. Okay. So so I need to get my draft submitted very soon. Yeah. You know, like early next year, so we can meet our schedule. But uh, right now it's supposed to be twenty twenty five. Early twenty twenty five. So. Well, we look so forward to it. Lola, thank you so much for joining us. Your book is truly going to touch readers. And congratulations on such a stellar accomplishment with this book. And before we let you go, can you you. tell our readers how they can connect with you online and keep up with your work? Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me. And, uh, you know, I'm quite active on social media. My website is just akimade, A-K-I-N-M-A-D-E.com. From there, you can link out to everything else I do. And then also on uh, social media as Lola Kimadi. And yeah, I'm quite easy to find once you go through those channels. And do you ever tour in the States? Do you come to the U.S. and do book events? Yes. Yes. In fact, I'm go- I'm coming in two weeks for the <gasps> book tour. Oh, excellent. For Everything is Not Enough. Yeah. So I'm going to be in uh, Washington, D.C., Richmond, Virginia, and New York before I move on to London for the for the book tour on the U.K. side. So, yes, I come to the U.S. You'll be in the U.S. in lot. the month of October. <laughs> yes, I will be. Excellent, yes. excellent. Good to know. That is excellent. Oh, and thank you so much. This has been so fascinating, and I could do this for five more hours. <laughs> I know. Trust me. <laughs> thank you so much. Thanks for having me. Thank you. And once again, a huge thank you to our listeners. Your support means the world, and we are grateful. To purchase a copy of Everything is Not Enough, please visit our Friends in Fiction bookshop.org page and help support independent bookstores. We hope you'll join us for a new episode every Friday. And don't forget, please tell a friend. Thank you for tuning in to the Friends in Fiction Writer's Block Podcast. 
please be sure to subscribe, rate, and review on your favorite podcast platform. Tune in every Friday for another episode. And you can also join us every week on Facebook or YouTube, where our live Friends and Fiction show airs at 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. We are so glad you're here.